In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. Well, Christmas is almost here. We're experiencing the shortest uh, possible fourth week of Advent that one can. As, as soon as we say, uh, thanks be to God at the dismissal, uh, it will be uh, Christmas. Uh, the hour is at hand in the life of the church. Uh, Mary has gone into labor, as it were, and tonight we celebrate the birth of the Savior. So as you might be making your final preparations for Christmas for your family and your house, you might have a trip uh, to Walgreens planned, uh, <laughs> last-minute stuff. So are we, as the people of God, we're making our final preparations. We're making haste so that our hearts would be prepared to receive the Son of, of God, Jesus Christ, into our hearts afresh. That this evening... Uh, that we would be ready to see the beauty of the gospel, to see the beauty of God's plan of salvation, perhaps in a way that we've never seen it before, and to accordingly give God thanks and praise. This morning's propers, as you may have noticed, are focused on Mary and what is called the Annunciation. The divine message delivered by the Archangel Gabriel that she would be the mother of God, that she would give birth to God in the flesh. And the parallels between Eve's encounter with the serpent in the Garden of Eden in Genesis and the Annunciation here in Luke chapter 1 are striking. There's many similarities. Both Eve and Mary are espoused virgins. Both are visited by angels, Eve by Satan, who is a fallen angel, and Mary by the archangel Gabriel. Both received divine messages. But whereas Eve doubted and turned against the word of the Lord, Mary believed it and embraced it, saying, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. She believed, she embraced, though she did, as we see, ask a clarifying question about how this was going to happen. Whereas Eve in the garden was cursed, one of those curses being much pain and childbearing, Mary is blessed. Blessed art thou among women, she is told. Whereas Eve is the mother of all the living, naturally speaking, Mary is the mother of all who live in and by Christ, spiritually speaking. What did Jesus say to John, the beloved disciple, as he hung on the cross? He said, Behold your mother, thus commending her not to John only, but to the whole church of which she is a type. This connection between Eve and Mary, between Eve in the garden and Mary at the Annunciation, was not lost on the early church fathers. Uh, Saint Irenaeus, who was a second century church father, uh, he was a disciple of Saint Polycarp, who himself 
was a disciple of the Apostle John. So this is very, very early. So um, if the apostolic charism isn't enough for you, or the fact that he was a saint, that he was clearly uh, enlightened and filled with the Holy Ghost, the fact that he's just one step removed from the apostles says a lot about how early this is. He writes this of Mary, Eve, and Luke chapter 1. By her obedience, that is Mary's obedience, she reverses the disobedience of Eve so that the first virgin's fall through the seduction of an angel is overcome by the faithful response of this virgin who believes the word of another angel. So Mary, in the scriptures and in the teaching of the church, is the new Eve, and moreover, she's the one who gave birth to the God-man Savior of the world. She is the Theotokos, literally the God-birther. And as such, she's worthy of admiration and honor. In Mary's song, the Magnificat, she says, henceforth, All generations shall call me blessed. To bring God into this world according to the flesh. If that's not a blessing, I don't know what is. So we admire her, we honor her, but the important thing is that we imitate her. That we follow her as she followed Christ. Mary's often regarded and has been as the greatest of the saints. And one of the ways that the saints minister to us is they minister to us by way of example. That great cloud of witnesses that spur us on not to worship the saints as the object of worship, but to, as Hebrews says, to spur us on to Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Mary is worthy of imitation because she is the model of Christian living and obedience. Her disposition of surrender, of be it unto me according to thy word. Mary's yes to God is the archetype for all those in whom God would dwell and they in him. Again, she says, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Do you see the surrender implicit in that statement? Instead of God, this is what I want to do with my life. These were my plans for my future. I want to be the captain of my ship, of my soul. No, the love, the trust. We are not our own. If you are in Christ, you have died and your life is hidden in him and with him. And the surrender, not not reluctantly, like, oh, well, I guess so. Begrudgingly or or somberly, like, well, 
I'm a servant of the Lord and I'm surrendered to his will. And so now my life is going to be terrible and boring and dry and miserable. There's a love and there's a trust and, and a joy. She says in her song, maybe the most famous song like ever. My spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. Behold, Gabriel, look at, this is who I am. I'm the servant of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. Mary made an unconditional surrender to the Lord. And so Christ was conceived in her by the Holy Spirit. And if we want Christ to be born, to dwell in our hearts, then we must do the same. It is faithful and loving and trusting surrender that constitutes the beginning, the middle, and the end of the Christian life. Period. It's hard. It's difficult, but it's worth it. May this evening, as we worship the newborn king, may the Spirit convince us in our hearts that Jesus and the life that we have in and through him is indeed the pearl of great price. Father John Bear, uh, Jonathan and I had an opportunity to take, a, that's why he's laughing, take a class with him. What, in 2020, he's what, like 6'5". He wanted me to sit right next to him for whatever reason. And no matter what I said, whether the answer was right or wrong, he said I was wrong. And uh, it, it was great. But brilliant scholar and man of God. He writes this on Mary's yes. He calls it a, her let it be. He writes, for our high calling to be conformed to the image and likeness of God, for this to be realized, we too need to be able to say for ourselves, let it be. God does not enter into this world except by our offering him space, not a geographical space somewhere else in the world, but our own place ourselves in our own time today, the sacrifice of our own sense of self, our attempts to construct our own identity, to set limits and boundaries on how much we are prepared to accept, to say, let it be, but only on my terms. No, our own terms need to be sacrificed. If we are to say, let it be. We must sacrifice ourselves, becoming ourselves the temple of God. Sacrificing ourselves on the altar of our heart so that he can now be present in us and through us. We must decrease so that he might increase. The hour of our visitation is upon us, brothers and sisters. A joyous night awaits us. 
and by the power of the Holy Spirit, may our hearts be ready to receive afresh the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. May we this evening and always offer the whole of who we are as living sacrifices, saying with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Behold the servant of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word.